and welcome to Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World, giving you choices and all choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true. Sundays at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m., Monday mornings at 1 a.m. and on this special edition of Tell Me Your Story, where uh, we are uh, not only um, streaming live at those times, but also podcasting on SoundCloud and iTunes and TuneIn Radio, Spotify, Stitcher, Player FM, Blueberry, other locations you folks are, uh, you're linking to, linking us to, I should say, and also um, on YouTube. You can watch these programs. You can watch the videos on YouTube. Just go to uh, Richard Dugan, tell me your story, and just look for the fellow with the with the black hat. Appreciate the fact that you do that. And uh, also, if you'd like, subscribe. We would greatly appreciate that. You know, we don't ask to ask you to do too much on this program uh, in that regard. We don't ask you to do homework or anything of that nature. Uh, but uh, if you could subscribe, that would be wonderful. Uh, I know that uh, as of this program, we are probably fast approaching 33,000 listens on the uh, podcasts through SoundCloud. And now that's over a three-year and three- or four-month period. And I don't know what that number really means. I mean, I'm, I'm grateful that people have listened that many times. But, uh, hey, you know, if it was 300 or 33,000 Hey, we'll take it because we're just trying to get the word out about what people have to say uh, about their lives, uh, sharing their particular story, and what it is that they're doing uh, to make their world a better place uh, than it was yesterday or today and make it better tomorrow. And that doesn't mean that today is bad by no means. It just means, as they say, there's always room for improvement. If you uh, resonate with this program and uh, it uh, it sounds like something you'd like to be a part of we will uh, also encourage you to support us financially through paypal for your security as well as ours and also participate in the decade of perfect vision the 2020s who knows in a few months uh, it could be entering the 21st century version of the roaring 20s because uh, hopefully soon the all of the restrictions will be lifted. Uh, most everybody will be vaccinated and we will be out there partying like it was 1999. Uh, of course, it'll only be 2021, but who cares? We'll be partying and enjoying the fact that we can get back together again. And that will be very exciting. So uh, please take that time to go within, listen to that still small voice, and uh, re-energize, rejuvenate, uh, re-fortify yourself internally. The internal life of an individual is the one thing that drives the external world, if you will, or our external lives. So take that time if you would. Our special program today, our special edition of Tell Me Your Story, is going to focus on not only just a story uh, of our guest, whose name is uh, Darlene West, all the way in uh, northern Idaho, where, as we're speaking, it's probably colder than a witch's. We won't say what that is, but we do know that it gets chilly up there, up uh, near the Canadian border. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, interestingly enough, she, her parents, one of her parents, was uh, half French-Canadian and the other Greek. And we're going to talk a little bit about uh, that aspect of one's uh, life and heritage and current living with uh, Darlene West. Welcome to our program, author of Awaken by Grace. Thank you for having me. 
This is, uh, I think, going to be a, a, a good program because a lot of people uh, are looking for they're looking for that, as I mentioned earlier, going within and finding that peace, that calm. Uh, and um, you seem to have at least uh, found a way to bring that into your life through uh, the grace that you found. First of all, let's define some terms as we like to do on this program. What sure. is grace to you? For me, is unmerited forgiveness and unmerited love, unmerited. Well, grace is what God is all about in my heart. Mm -hmm. That's where he um, forgives me. That's where he loves me. That's where he helps me. And in that side of him is the most wonderful you know when you're really down that's when he's near you and that's part of his grace mm -hmm. you can feel his presence around you that's what i see grace as is something that i've not earned but i receive it anyways from him because of his great love for us now there is the grace of god and and mm -hmm. i understand that but there's also that grace with which we give to one another through our forgiveness. And we'll talk about that as well, the forgiveness part. But there's a third element that seems to be missing from our lives. And again, this is something that has to be done very humbly, okay? If you will, on bended knee, so to speak. We don't often give ourselves the very grace that we say is undeserved and unearned, from God in terms of, especially in the context of forgiveness. Uh, I went through a series of phases, and one of them was, uh, it had to do with a particular individual. It could be a situation, too. I forgive you, but more importantly, I forgive myself for allowing myself to blah, 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 blah. Let's talk, can we talk a little bit about that aspect of forgiveness and grace? And again, uh, I, I say it once again, it has to be done from a very humble position. You don't do it from a position of pride or, or shall we say, haughtiness. Yes, I agree with you. Um, forgiving yourself, I find when I forgive myself, is harder than for me to forgive others. I don't know why, but it just seems to be more difficult because I guess I'm really hard on myself. And I, I believe others feel the same way because I've met other people and they didn't feel as though they were worthy of anything. You know, not, you know, why would I win a contest? Why would I um, be able to get that job? You know, because they don't feel worthy of their own selves. But I think it's more difficult to forgive yourself and to see yourself in the light that God can see you. I know it was always difficult for me. And then one day it clicked. He loves me. Why? Because he created me. And that's what helped me to get through this, you know, with forgiving myself. Because if God created me, it's because he, he loved me. Just like when I had my two children, I loved them. So, you know, I brought them into this world. So, you know, that's the way I believe that God's looking at me now. And that's what gets me through to forgive myself and have grace on my own self. 
You know, I what I find interesting too, Darlene, is um, one of the one of the uh, uh, studies that I did years and years ago when I was working for a Christian radio station back in Phoenix, Arizona, uh, on the word perfection or being perfect. And, of course, the New Testament, uh, for a quote, if you will, is, be perfect even as your Father in heaven is perfect. And I wondered what that meant. And as I began to do some study and, of course, uh, remembering, of course, uh, different phrases and, and lines from the Old Testament, the Psalms in particular and Proverbs and what have you, it, it finally struck me, and I'd love for you to, to uh, uh, share with us your perspective on this, perfection didn't have anything to do with being good or doing anything, being right or wrong or what have you. According to uh, phrases in the Old Testament, passages in the Old Testament, uh, I am that I am. Well, God is neither good nor bad, right nor wrong, uh, you know, good or evil. God just is. And it struck me, that's what it means to be perfect, just to be. Your thoughts? My thoughts are... I would look at the word perfect in the English. I've, you know, grew up with an amalgamation of French and Greek in my English language. So um, there was words when I was little that I didn't know what they were in the English, but I could actually express them in the other languages. But, you know, and so when we see the translation, we need to look up what word was there in the Greek or what word was there in the, in the Hebrew. Mm -hmm. And that's what I look at. And I think in my heart, when he says be perfect as I am perfect, we can't be perfect. He, he, for by grace, we are saved through faith, not of ourselves. Sure. It's the gift of God. But I think he's saying be holy because I'm holy to try to live according to follow after his examples that's that simple hmm. just follow after his examples we can't meet up to god's expectations uh, if we could then we wouldn't have need jesus so uh, we need to you know just follow his ex you know examples that old saying what would jesus do before hmm. you make a, a leap into something yeah especially somebody on the road <laughs> it cuts you off you know, what would Jesus do? Is he going to flip him off? No. <laughs> would I? Do I feel like it? Yes, but you don't. That's where I think that perfection comes in. Mm. It's trying. Yeah. I also uh, think about it, uh, this from another perspective as well in terms of our personal individual demeanor, shall we say. Uh, come to me, come unto me as little children. And I, I, it's like, okay, it says, as little children childlike not childish but childlike mm -hmm. you know not like the uh, two-year-old that they, they talk about the terrible twos no 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 that's not what we're talking about <laughs> and there are moments even yeah. in our adulthood uh, aren't there darlene where we actually do feel that childlike uh, that 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 feeling of of um i don't know maybe not so much smallness as much as innocence and vulnerability, we still, even after all of the years that we have been around, I've been around 60 years now, uh, even, even then, I still have those moments here and there where it's like, I'm still in awe and in wonder of things. Oh, yes. It's, uh, especially when I look up to the stars, you know, mm. 
and he said that he's got a name for every single star out there. I mean, that's wow. Um, with me, the childlike faith is what I'm looking at is expect. In other words, he's saying expect from me. When you pray, expect from me. Don't just sit there and go, oh, well, after you pray and ask him for something, then you turn around and you say, well, let's see if he does it or not. Um, I, it's like my grandchildren. If I said to them when they were you know, five years old, I'm taking you to Disney World tomorrow, they would tell all their friends, I'm going to Disney World tomorrow. They would expect it. Mm-hmm. And so that's what God wants us to do is expect it and praise him for it before we even see it come into manifestation. Darlene West is my guest here on a special edition of Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. And we're talking um, about a lot of different things, but especially uh, more specifically as we come back, uh, talking about Awakened by Grace. Awakened by Grace is the title of her book. Her website is DarleneWest.com. So we hope that you will uh, uh, go to her website and find out more about her and the work that she is doing as we continue here on Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. I'm Richard Dugan. And we're talking with Darlene West about Awakened by Grace. We've already talked about uh, the, the concept of grace uh, in, in, uh, in what you have lived and, and experienced. What do you mean, uh, how were you awakened by grace? And I guess that's going to dive right into your, uh, your story. Okay. I used to wonder, I was raised in religion rather than just Jesus is my Lord and my Savior. And I used to wonder why Jesus doesn't do this today. He doesn't heal today. He doesn't help people today. But when he walked the earth, why, why did he change? And then when I went, I, I even went to my priest, you know, because I was raised Roman Catholic and Greek Orthodox. And I went to my priest and I said, why doesn't Jesus do these things today? And he says that, um, he said that there are miracles, but not all the time. That's it was his answer, and I didn't like it. So I started searching and wondering what's going on here, you know. But at the same time, I was very secular. I was young and having fun. I was in my early 20s and mid-20s. And then one day, it hit me. He not. I said, you know, if the words, because everywhere I turned, somebody was saying, you got to be born again. And I said, well, if the words born again are in the Bible, I'll get born again. But I said that to myself. Two weeks later, I met a stranger. And she told me to look at, she had her Bible and she handed it to me. She says, look at John 3, 3. I looked at it and I said, really, really, I said, you one must be born again. Well, he woke me up. He showed me I'm here. I'm hearing you. I love you. I'm listening. And that's how I got woken up by grace. Because I heard him in my heart, mm-hmm. you know, not in my ears, but in my heart. I love you. And I knew then that he was real. That was the, you know, the faith that I had, the childlike faith, like, you're there. That's, 
I was all by myself when I said, if I see the words born again, I'll get saved because I kept getting annoyed by these evangelists coming up to me. But then when it happened, it was wonderful. You uh, have a, 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 an education uh, from college that uh, is rather interesting, and I always find this interesting when people have focused on English and, uh, and the English language and uh, those types of aspects of uh, our, our ways of communicating because we seem to have, <clears throat> and it's not exclusive to this particular period in our history uh, as we are currently living it, uh, this has been going on for decades. Uh, the, the English language keeps changing, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. It, it grows and, it, uh, it, you know, we come up with new words and this type of thing. And yet at the same time, we seem to have, uh, in spite of the number of words that we have in our vocabulary, we're still having a devil of a time communicating with one another, uh, you know, and, and understanding one another. Your thoughts on that? Well, I find that like with my, with my own husband, you know, him being a man and me being a woman, I see things, I, I communicate differently than he communicates. You're right. I see that it's hard for us to understand unless we actually sit down and listen. I think that's our biggest problem today is listening, listening to each other about what's in your heart and accepting it. Because a lot of people, they get on the, oh, well, you think that, that's what you believe, you know, and um, they get on their high horses. And you got to listen. And you see, I, I guess English was very important to me because there were words in my language when I was growing up. <laughs> on top of all this with different, you know, French words and Greek words and you know, that I didn't know them in English. On top of this, my parents had a very deep New York City accent. So, um, like, for an example, we didn't say toilet in my house. We said turlet. <laughs> and so um, I was embarrassed many times because of my language barrier. Mm -hmm. And I learned for communication, I guess, on my own, and then going through college and they say, well, what, what is that author trying to say? Well, we don't know exactly what that author is saying, what he's trying to do. We can guess at it, but once you put it out there, you know, it belongs to everybody else. And once you say something to somebody, it belongs to that person. And then they're going to communicate it in their own minds mm -hmm. on what you meant and not exactly what um, you may have meant. And so instead of me, I've learned instead of jumping, it's what did you mean by that? And mm. that's what I've learned to do. You know, my husband and I, we both learned to do that. So what do you mean by that? And then we've got to explain it to each other. <laughs> when you get to be grandparents and everything and you get older, it gets to a point where it's not worth it anymore for the arguments and you want to find out more what they're thinking than you do argue. Yeah. Yeah, I, I have that same uh, sense and awareness with, in particularly, my father. 
You know, there are certain questions I'd love to ask him, but I don't simply because, you know, it, it, what what would be the point? I have an idea of what his answer would be, and it's not like I'm trying to put words in his mouth necessarily, but I know him fairly well that he'd rather not go there. So I, I don't. And we talk about other things so that at least we can have a conversation. And that's not to say by any means that there's any kind of a rift. We're, we're certainly not estranged in any way, shape, or form. But at the same time, I think it's my sense of respect for him and his well-being. The man is 90 years old this year. And, wow. <clears throat> you know, the last thing he needs now <laughs> is to be challenged on who he is and where he's at in his life. Uh, I am grateful that he's lived this long. Uh, I, you know, I remember asking him 20 years ago on his birthday uh, how it felt to be 70. And he says, well, two things. Uh, number one, um, I didn't expect to live this long. But number two, um, I'm glad I'm here. <laughs> so, um, you know, it's it's uh, it's one of those things that uh, is really kind of uh, I I mean, it's funny how I know he doesn't think any, anything of it, but I am very proud to say that my father is 90. You know, there's I don't know why it is that he's you know, he's 30 years older than I am. Uh, and um, there's just something about that that I can say. And maybe it's partly because my father is still alive. And I know a lot of uh, people whose parents at, even at my age, whose parents have long been long gone, uh, right. your parents in particular, your father was uh, 100% Greek and your mother half Greek and half half uh, French Canadian. Uh, and I'm curious about the the challenges that you faced as a child growing up uh, between those two uh, ethnicities, if you will. Uh, and then, uh, you know, being raised in the United States and in, in you know, in New York in particular, uh, I mean, you've you sort of alluded to that a little bit, but um, because I'm sure that your father uh, had his particular ways that he knew of on how to raise children, on what uh, was important to believe in uh, a work ethic and how to live and so forth. And I'm sure your mother had the same kind of thing. Did you notice that there was sort of a collaboration and cooperation between your parents uh, as opposed to what we see, especially on television, where you've got the competitive aspects? Instead of a team, you've got two teams of, an indivi of each individual's kind of going at each other, trying to get one up on the other, trying to win a particular point. Well, see, my father was working most of the time. Okay. And my mother, she didn't start working until we got older. So she was usually at the law in the house at the time. Um, when my father was home, I mean, what he said was, it was it. You know, when dad said something, that was it. You don't even argue with it. When mom said something, you can argue with it a little bit and try to get your way. But... Um, no, there was no competition. He just, he worked. He was the working guy. And my mom was, uh, she was the homemaker. Mm -hmm. And she taught us things about, you know, my, I was in the kitchen with her since I can remember. And she let me start cooking with her when I was five. And uh, she gave me all the dirty work, you know, like mixing the meat for the grape leaves, you know, to stuff the grape leaves and stuff. And, 
Um, but I enjoyed it. I had fun. Yeah. And, you know, help her roll grape leaves, help her roll cabbage leaves, you know, and help her with the lamb and stuff, you know, put the garlic inside the lamb in different places. And so, but my sister now, she can cook, but she don't like it. So she <laughs> stayed out of the kitchen. And so, but um, she got the dirty job, though. She was doing the dishes most of the time. But she uh, did everything she could to avoid the kitchen. But when she wants to cook something now, she calls me up. She says, how did mom do this or how mom did that? But my, it was more of the um, old-fashioned way where the mom, you know, took care of the kids and the father went out and worked. Mm -hmm. Because it was just that way. My father grew up in a home, actually. Because after his mother passed away, his father put the six youngest kids into a home. Mm. Because back then, when she passed away, my grandmother, back then they didn't have child care like they got today, you know. So you had to have one parent to be in that home. Mm. So he'd go see them. And also to his eldest brother uh, was mm -hmm. already working with his father when his mother passed away. So, yeah, it was a different type of thing. It was more, you know. I started drinking wine when I was four. It was a, the culture, the Greek culture was there more than anything than the French because my papu, my grandfather was still a big um, influence on my family. Hmm. So, and he's the one that poured us our first glasses of wine, my sister and I. <laughs> <laughs> well, I used to, uh, uh, back in the 80s, uh, 1980s, I used to produce a program called the All New Greek Family Hour. And in Phoenix, we had, uh, every year, they would have a Greek festival. And I loved going uh, to the Greek festival. I have to tell you that the Greeks have some of the best food. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> between between baklava and gyros with the lamb and all of the other wonderful things, I've even had the the fig or grape leaves uh, stuffed with, you know, or cabbage leaves stuffed with and so forth. Uh, I mean, it's just wonderful. But also, <clears throat> there's another aspect of it, too, and that is, and again, this is probably under the more of the category of the religious side as opposed to the spiritual, and that is the ritual and the ceremony of the Greek Orthodox masses uh, in the churches. I mean, I was born and raised Roman Catholic. When I married the first time, it was to a woman who was a member of the Byzantine Rite of the Catholic Church, which, uh, which uh, takes its uh, heritage all the way back to uh, Constantinople, which became Byzantium, which was Byzantium beforehand. And I've always loved that aspect of Catholicism was the ritual and the traditions and the ceremony, the incense and the candles and all of the, the stained glass and the statuary and the icons and so forth. And I know there are folks who have problems with that because they think that uh, we're worshiping them. and We're not worshiping them. If, if it's something that helps you to stay focused on uh, uh, your life's purpose and God and, and so forth, why not use it? You know, let it, let it be there for you. Uh, so uh, I've I've always had that, and I don't know about you, but uh, um, there's just always been something about uh, the the uh, the old churches, not just only not only the buildings, but again, the liturgies and so forth. How about you? What do you, what's your perspective on that? Do you still 
do you still kind of hold to uh, to to that aspect of faith, or have you sort of moved on to different forms and so forth that serve you better than, say, the Greek Orthodox or Catholicism? Well, the Greek Orthodox, I have to admit, they had better communion than the Roman Catholic. And you got real wine, too, with it. But <laughs> uh-huh. um, what uh, we went to Greek camp, my sister and I, is Camp St. Sophia over there in Big Bear. Up in Big Bear. Mm-hmm. In fact, we were the first class to go into that week. That yeah, when they opened up for the first time, and um, I just you know I got a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, and I find that what I need more than anything else is to get up in the morning and praise the Lord for it. Praise the Lord that this is a date that he has made and I shall rejoice and be glad in it. And I'd say that declaration every day when I open up my eyes, because I know that he, no matter what's going on out there, no matter how bad things look, especially like in our governments and, and the taxes and everything that's like the border right now, you know, but, you know, I believe that God is still there and I won't give up on him because he's never given up on me. And I think having a personal relationship with Jesus is more important to me than anything else. I love the, you know, the old church services. And I've been to the Russian Orthodox Church, too. And that is a beautiful ceremony. Mm. Um, I only went once, but it was absolutely amazing. Um, they don't even sit down. They just stand for <laughs> the Lord, you know. <laughs> but, um, you know, I believe that, you know, if you got Jesus in your heart, you're going to heaven, period. Mm. And he said so. And he's, and if you, you know, after everything he's done for us, I don't care where you're going to worship him, what building or where you want to be when you're worshiping him. All he wants to do is know that you love him because he loves you. Yeah, uh, but I need to talk to Jesus. That's my my main. I need to talk to him. I need to have a conversation with him in the morning. I need to have a conversation with him at night when I'm going to sleep. He's with me when I get up. He's with me when I walk around. He's with me when I'm sleeping, and that's so comforting because I used to be so afraid of uh, my own shadow. Mm-hmm. I don't have that no more. Mm. Because I saw a lot of things in life growing up and um, in places where we lived. And, um, I mean, I've had a gun pull on me to get in the car, but I didn't. I just got up and walked away. And so, because I was so scared that my skin was going to fall off. And so, um, you know, I've had, you know, incidents where I was almost kidnapped and you know, being a, a girl, well, I, I grew up halfway back east and halfway in California in L.A. So, you know, in some places, with Santa Monica, when we lived in Santa Monica at that time, it, oh, it wasn't like today. It was pretty rough. Mm. And so um, I grew up in these cities and I grew up, you know, street smart, I would have to say. But God was always there. 
He was always there with me. I didn't have to go somewhere to find him. He was inside of me, walking with me. And that's the peace I've got. Darlene West is my guest here on the program. Tell me your story, a special edition, New Paradigms for a New World. We are giving you choices and knowledge of those choices. To help make your dreams come true, Sundays at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m., Monday mornings at 1 a.m., streaming live at those times at richarddugan.com, as well as the podcasts on SoundCloud and Spotify and TuneIn Radio and other locations. And you can also watch these interviews on a YouTube. Richard Dugan, tell me your story. Just look for the guy with the black hat. We're talking with Darlene West, and I thank you so much for uh, staying with us here on the program, Darlene. Now, I mentioned that my father is uh, 90 years of age this year, uh, and I am I am too much of a gentleman to ask you your age, but I know that based upon your story and what you've shared, not only in your book, Awakened by Grace, which is available at your website, DarleneWest.com, uh, but also what you've shared with us thus far in all of the different environments that you have lived in, New York and, of course, California, you've been here and you now live up in Idaho and so forth. And I want to ask you <clears throat> your observations of life uh, as you have watched it unfold over the years. And what are some of the, the more, uh, shall we call them, uh, distinctive aspects and i even want to put it in the context of miracles or supernatural uh, events that you have personally experienced in your life and in your walk well i'll tell you about something that happened to me just recently i had um a cancerous cyst on my kidney on my left kidney mm-hmm Yes, my left kidney. And um, it started to grow a little bit. I've been, I was starting to be, you know, I was washed a lot by my doctors. And so they sent me to um, nephrology as a kidney specialist. And uh, after all the prayer that we've had, people laid hands on me. We prayed. And I believe in the healing of Jesus Christ because he healed all when he was walking the earth. And he's the same today, yesterday, and forever. Well, it's gone. Mm. It just disappeared. And it's praising the Lord. I've had miracles like that. Oh, my gosh. I, You know, God is just... When I met my husband, you know, I, was, um, I wasn't going to go to this Christmas fellowship that somebody had invited me in. He, um, my kids, it was the day after Christmas, and my kids, they, they grabbed my hands, and they, I mean, they never did this before, because my husband adopted my two boys, and they grabbed my hands, and they said, come on, let's go, Mom. I said, I don't want to go. Come on, let's go. When I met him, and I, I was walking away from the party, I was getting into my car, and all of a sudden, love was just being poured in my heart from my husband. A love that I can't even explain. And I said, Lord, you're out of your mind. I said, I'm never going to see this man again because he lived in Maryland, and I lived in Connecticut at the time. And uh, he came out just then, and he talked to me and said goodbye to me. And then a couple of days later, he called me up <laughs> from Maryland. But, um, yeah, I've had different, you know, divine appointments where 
God saved our lives. I mean, we were leaving a fair one time and in Oregon, Salem, Oregon State Fair. And um, this lady stopped us and she says, do you mind if I, if I ask you a couple of questions? It's a survey. We won't take, it won't take too much time. I said, sure. Well, that 10 minutes that she took with us saved our lives because ahead of us, 10 minutes ahead of us, a woman had lost her life in a car accident. Mm. A deer ran in front of her car and she went off the road. So, yeah, I see God's hand on my life everywhere I go now. Mm. But those are just a couple of the situations. Um, I haven't had a cold. I prayed. I said, Lord, I don't want these colds anymore. I used to get pneumonia every year for three months. And I said, I can't deal with this. You need to take this. And so I haven't had a cold in 15 years. Wow. Yeah. Darlene West is my guest here on Tell Me Your Story, a special edition. As we continue our conversation, go to her website, DarleneWest.com, and we're talking about Awakened by Grace. Let me ask you about something I touched on at the front end of the program, and uh, I'm finding more and more people are listening to that still small voice, their intuition, if you will, uh, mm-hmm. whether it's uh, you know, some people will call it uh, their their higher self. Some people will call it God. They'll call it the Holy Spirit, whatever. It's that internal guidance that's spoken of so much. And I'm curious about your if, if I can put it in this context, your uh, uh, relationship with that still small voice. I myself I refer to it as my friend. And wow. I've, I've said many times that uh, the still small voice will never put you in harm's way. Might challenge you. I've been challenged of, of late uh, to do things that seemed contrary to my mental, my human mind. But I followed through anyway. And then when I looked back, I'm going, and if I hadn't listened and followed the promptings, things would have been a lot worse. I would have put myself in harm's way by not listening. Tell us about your relationship and experiences with, we'll call it, that still small voice. I call it my gut feeling. You know how you have a gut feeling, well, I need to turn down this road instead of going straight like I normally do? Mm-hmm. If you don't, then you get in trouble. <laughs> um, yeah, I believe that the still a small, still voice is what guides us through life. And I, it's the Holy Spirit. I've had, you know, like one time this, um, I was going home and I felt this gut feeling I had to go to my friend's house. And I went to her house and she really needed me because her son was killed in a car crash. Mm. And I had no idea. But when I got there is when I found out and her son was 20. She buried him on his 21st birthday, which was horrible, but she needed friendship there. She needed consoling. And um, even though her family was around her, she needed, I believe that God was leading me to help her. And um, everybody that was there was there to help her. But yes, I believe I call it my gut feeling. I have a gut feeling like, 
you know, with the crypto coin, my husband and I, we had this gut feeling, both got the same gut feeling about what people are laughing at is Dogecoin. And my son, my eldest son, he's standing on top of his head, said, why are you buying this? Why are you buying this? I said, with that gut feeling. He said, you don't invest that way. We'll see. And so, you know, that's just, we let the gut feeling guide us and lead us. Mm-hmm. Because <gasps> our own minds, boy, phew. Darlene West is my guest here on Tell Me Your Story, the special edition DarleneWest.com, the website and Awakened by Grace is the book that she has written how long did it take you to put this particular work together How? how, when when did this idea come to you and I'm going to uh, presume if I may that it was that gut feeling that told you it's time for me to write these things down well the name Franklin Franklin came in my mind first and um, okay Lord what about Franklin Franklin and um, you know as I street evangelized I was able to evangelize one person at a time and to this day if I'm in a grocery store somebody God wants me to minister to somebody I minister to them and uh, usually somebody that really needs my help about something and so but with the novel as an adult educator, storytelling is one of the techniques. In fact, it's one of the best techniques you can use to teach adults mm-hmm. and children, both. You know, you can hear a story and then think, wow, that reminds me of me. I've done that. And then sometimes your answers come out of that, you know, and sometimes they don't. But God showed me that I can reach thousands of people with a novel, not just one-on-one. You know, I could just reach one person at a time. And so I, oh, it took me three years to write it, but um, it took me about five years to actually sit down and do it. Because the name Franklin Franklin kept coming in my heart. And finally God said, write. So I sat down and I started writing. And before I knew it, it just, the words would just pour out of me. I, I, I'm like, wow, I would surprise myself. I would even cry over scenes. I would laugh over scenes, you know, and I'm like, wow, this is like, I didn't even know what's going on in this book, you know, until I read it. That's what it was like. But I mean, I knew what was going on, but yeah. it was I don't like that, you know, because I knew I was being directed with that small, still voice. Yeah. It seems that a lot of folks are, as I mentioned earlier, starting to there's and, and maybe it's because of not so much in spite of, but because of what we've gone through in this past year um, of, of the lockdowns and the isolation and so forth, that, that the only one you have left to deal with is you. Uh, do you find that when you talk with people, uh, and maybe you share this aspect of the still small voice and going within and maybe meditating and praying and that kind of thing. Uh, they're more receptive these days than they used to be because it's kind of what we've been sort of uh, we've been left in a manner of speaking to our own devices. And, you know, and that we really need to get to know who we are 
from the inside. Wow, I like the way you put that. Um, I think being left to our own devices has gotten us to a point where I believe that there's an awakening coming on where we're waking up and, you know, like awakened by grace, you know, grace is waking us all up and saying, hey, look, look at what's going on around you. Yeah. As Americans, we become very complacent and we, you know, this is our lives. That's my job. This is my family. And this is what I'm going to take care of. And, you know, you're going back and forth, but you're not really paying attention on the rest of the place. And I see a lot more people are paying attention now. Mm. And uh, I don't know if you ever heard of Mario Morello. Yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. And he's doing a big um, tent meeting in Modesto soon. I don't know exactly when it's supposed to be, but we just we love Mario. And um, Hank, gosh, how do you say his last name? Kuhneman. Did you ever hear of him? Yeah. No, name doesn't ring a bell, but go ahead. But, you know, God is using these men in mighty ways and bringing in, um, especially Mario. I mean, he's having miracles. People coming into his tent meetings and they're crying out for the Lord. He said that some people are just starting to moan because he has to stop preaching and lead them to Christ and, and help them. And uh, because, you know, people are being awoken up, I believe. Mm. I think that. Yes, they have been left to their own devices. And um, the one thing I never could understand is the church itself. The you know Christian church, I don't care which, if you go to the Catholic church, you go to Assembly of God, wherever you go, the Baptist right. church, they all seem that they wouldn't, they're not separate, they're not a family like we're supposed to be, like Christ intended us to be, mm -hmm. one family. In Christ Jesus, and um, I, I see the coming together of the churches now more so than ever before. I believe that God is doing something big in our nation now, even though it looks so. Gosh, I don't even pay attention to what the darkness is doing. Yeah, just pay attention to what God is doing. There you go. Stay focused on the light. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> We are talking with Darlene West. Uh, she's the author of her latest work, uh, Awakened by Grace. Is this your first novel, your first writing? It's not my first writing, but it's my first novel. So what else have I, you, um, what else have you written? Oh, well, I've got a poem that was published and um, uh, called The Heart. And I have also two um, a short story that's, uh, nonfiction, and um, I like to try to I like to play with words when I'm writing. Um, my nonfiction story is that got published by Oregon State University, mm. and that's called Civilian Mom. And I um, like to play with words. That one is all in present tense. And so, like, with uh, Awakened by Grace, it's third person, but it's through the eyes of Franklin. You know, he's the man, and I'm a woman, and I wanted to see if I can, like, uh, what's her name, Wharton? You know, Age of Innocence, you ever hear that novel? I believe I have, yeah. 
Yeah, I haven't she read it, but I've heard third, of it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she thought she wrote it all in third person through the eyes of a man, and I wanted to see if I could do it that way too. But Franklin Franklin was God's creation, I believe, you know, because the way it came out mm -hmm. out of me. And um I um believe that God gives us gifts, and that's one of my gifts is to write, write and cook. Yeah. <laughs> my husband wrote you know, testify that I'm a good cook. So he says, that's where your gift is. And I'm known as the fudge lady here in my parts, my neck of the woods here. And mm. I'm not known as or granny's goodies, you know, cookies, fudge, cake, you know. Um, but I want to be known as the author. You know, I want people to actually enjoy my stories and to get, feel Christ's love. I could have written a romance. You know how you lose somebody in a story, mm -hmm. then they bring somebody else into their lives? Yeah. I wanted Christ to get the credit. I didn't want somebody else to get the credit. Yeah. You know, and that's, I have to leave, I had to leave him alone with Christ at one scene and um, so that he would get the credit. Yeah. It's well, grace that wakes us up. Yeah. Well, let's talk a little bit about loss, if we can. Uh, and, and the fact is, is that, you know, um, we have lost, as of our conversation, probably uh, in this country alone, due to the pandemic, we've lost over probably close to 550,000 human beings. I don't even like to focus on the number because it so dehumanizes them. These were mothers and fathers and sisters and brothers and husbands and wives that aren't around anymore. And um, and it's and, and there's a certain element of, uh, you know, this didn't have to happen this way. It really didn't. But it did. And, and so we need to figure out how to cope with that. But when we lose people in our lives and I know one day my father, I'll get the phone call from Arizona. Uh, you know, I don't know how I'll react. I, I have a great deal of respect for both of my parents. They're more like friends than they are parents nowadays, which is great. But from your perspective, um, you know, you, you and I both have lived a number of years here and we've experienced the loss of uh, some family members and some friends and acquaintances and so forth. Uh, and I'm wondering uh, how you view this, uh, and I'll, I'm going to call it, uh, we'll call it a passage in life. It, certainly it is considered to be the last passage in this life but there seems to be so much fear around it uh you know and i'm wondering uh, what your perspective is well i lost my aunt over the COVID. she was in new york city and in a nursing home and COVID patients were put into her nursing home she was in Suffolk county and she was 88 I was talking to her about moving in with my husband and I so I could take care of her because her two children died before she did. Mm. And so she had nobody else, two grandchildren, but um, I guess she kept telling me they're too busy to come see me too much. But they loved her very much, don't get me wrong. Mm -hmm. They just had busy lives. And so... Um, the next day I knew Good Friday last year, she was gone. And she had told me she was in the hospital. And I asked 
Okay. Um, I thought that, um, you know, I've had my first son. I lost my first son. And I've lost both my parents now. So, yeah, I've had friends that passed away. And sometimes I look at myself and I, you know, two of my best friends are gone from when I was young. And I'm still here. Mm -hmm. God's not done with me. And I'm praising the Lord for that. But it's just weird because everybody around me is gone. She was our last, my last aunt after 12 aunts and uncles. So I'm talking about the blood aunts and uncles. My other uncle, he, um, my father's brother passed away. He was 101, Mm. two years. And him and his wife were married for 72 years. So two weeks later, she died. And she couldn't live without him. Yeah. And I've seen a lot of the loss around me. And the most hard, the hardest one of all is losing your child. Mm. That's the hardest to do. And you can, you know, you can't replace your child. You can't replace your loved ones at all. But um, my father would have been 101 this year. Mm. And um, my mother, she wasn't supposed to die at that moment. And <laughs> she just passed away. She went into surgery for her ankle. And they thought she did great. And when she came out, she was fine. The next morning, she was gone. Mm. So, yeah, loss is hard. I mean, I got, I hang on to this. I know I'm going to see them again. Mm-hmm. I know when I go to heaven, they're there waiting for me. And they're going to, they're so happy now. They're out of pain. They're out of any kind of suffering. And I'll tell you, um, they don't have to put up with this stuff anymore. You know, that's going on in this earth. But it's a very dangerous world. I see it as, you know, the older I get, the more I can see it. Before I was too close to the forest to see the trees, and I could see it. I mean, you can't drive to the store without wondering if you're going to get shot when you go into the store, you know, mm-hmm. and that's scary. And um, but you got to walk in faith and not by sight, because if you walk in faith, and then God will talk to that still that little voice inside you say, "Hey, don't go in there today." Yeah. And so, and you have to listen to it and heed to it. Well, why didn't I listen to it? Because, you know, we're left to our own devices too. It's free will. Yeah. And there, and again, I realize this is more of a platitude than anything else, but the reality is, is that they aren't really gone. I mean, even from the, from the Christian philosophy, we are immortal, not the physical body, but the spirit, that, that essence that animates the body that you inhabit and that I inhabit, is immortal. Uh, it has lived from the beginning of time, if you will, and it will go on. Uh, does that give you and, do you, and and is that something that you share with people in that respect? I mean, does that really, is that really something that helps uh, when someone loses someone? Or is that, again, is it just, is it just words? Is it a platitude? I think it depends on what you believe. Um, yeah. This man told me once, he says, we're like we're like dogs. They throw us in the grave and we're done. 
well, anything he lost, he's going to think he'll never see it again. And they're just throwing them in the grave and, and he's done seeing them. So, you know, I believe that they're there. And I believe that our loved ones are the great cloud of witnesses that come before us and are praying for us even. I believe that I know my my parents are there together. I know my son is there. In fact, I keep telling my husband, the first person I'm going to see is Simon when I go to heaven. Hmm. And um, I know he's going to be waiting for me. Yeah. That gives me peace. Whereas if you don't have that type of, um, you believe that, you know, your soul isn't immortal. Your spirit is, you know, people have a problem separating the body flesh and the body spirit. Yeah. You know, and if they don't, you know, I think they suffer more when they lose somebody they love. This is Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. I'm Richard Dugan. We're talking with Darlene West. Her book is uh, a book that you can see right now in my hands. I've got my copy uh, of Awakened by Grace. DarleneWest.com is the website, and we encourage you to go to her website to find out more about her and the work that she is uh, she has been doing for a number of years. We aren't asking how many. That is not an appropriate question for this program. Uh, but what we do have are three final questions for you, Darlene, and I ask these questions of all of my guests. You may have addressed them uh, throughout the interview, but I'd like to ask them directly just the same. But before I do that, I want to remind our listeners that this program is heard Sundays at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m. Monday mornings at 1 a.m. Streaming live at those times at richarddugan.com as well as this special edition of Tell Me Your Story. The podcasts are on SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, Stitcher, Player FM, Blueberry, and other locations that you folks are reposting to. And uh, we also encourage you to support us financially if you can with any amount. That's why we have a PayPal account for your security as well as ours. And we ask you to participate in the decade of perfect vision. The 2020s may become the roaring 20s here soon when we are all allowed to go out and uh, cavort and what have you with one another in a very friendly and uh, and happy family way uh, because it's been a long time since we've been able to hug our friends and loved ones. And uh, so uh, hopefully we'll be able to do that. But in the meantime, listen, take the time to go within, to listen to that still small voice, to allow that still small voice to give you the encouragement and the inspiration and uh, the education, if you will, as well as finding that still, quiet, peaceful, calm space where you can rejuvenate and re-energize and refocus your awareness and your attention on those things that you need to be about doing in your life. So we hope that you will, uh, will do that. My last three questions for you on this program, and I thank you again so much for giving us so much time on this program. The first of these three questions are, number one, who is Darlene West? Me. <laughs> I, <laughs> I've heard that question so many times, and I think, oh, please don't ask me that. <laughs> I'm actually... <laughs> I'm a wife, a mother, a granny. I am a granny. I'm the granny. 
the other grandparents are the grandparents. I'm the granny. And um, I'm a writer. I love my family. I love my God. And I love my country. Hmm. I'm, I, I guess I got it. I'm known as having a big mouth, so go use it, Darlene. <laughs> and so um, people look to me to go and say something. And I go, okay, I'll say it. <laughs> but now I'm learning not to because other people got to come out of their shells and say it themselves. But mm-hmm. uh, you won't guess what I'm thinking because I'm going to tell you what I'm thinking. And I believe in that honesty really helps relationships much better. Mm-hmm even if we don't like what we hear. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I would say that's who I am. Okay. I'm in love with Jesus. All right. Number two, what is it that you hope to or want to achieve through the work that you are doing now? That people could see Christ's love and how much he loves them and not to give up on Christ because Christ never will give up on you. He promises he'll never fail us or forsake us. And I'm hoping that it can help mend people's broken hearts too. People who are walking around with a heartache, there's nothing worse than a heartache. And how you can overcome is through Christ. I think the worst pain in the world is a heartache. Mm. And um, emotional pain, you can't, physical pain, you can get numb from it from a doctor, yeah. but emotional pain, that's really hard. And I want people to see life in a more positive way rather than, you know, like Maggie, that childlike faith. Expect, expect from Christ. Mm-hmm. Expect that he's going to do something good for you today. Yeah. And he will. And finally, what is your life's purpose might try and figure that out still maybe um my life's purpose is to be that mother wife grandmother and i'm hoping to see my great-grandchildren you know my grandson wants me to be around his grandchildren i mean his children mm-hmm. and um I want to shine Christ to other people. I want people to see how much God actually loves them and how much God is love and how no matter how bad things look, God is, he's there for us. Mm-hmm. And we just kind of hang on to with him and he will take us. He carries us. And I think my purpose in life is to help others more than anything, I've been doing that all my life is helping others. And by the way, I'm not ashamed. I am 68 years old. I just turned 68 March 18th. <laughs> and um, I um, I love being 68 because life is so different now. When I look through my eyeballs now, you know, things that were so dramatic and important when I was younger, they're not there anymore. Yeah. It's important is enriching my life more with my family, my husband and I. We like our quiet evenings together, you know, walk 
sit by the water, hold hands quietly. You know, those are the moments that I cherish now mm. more than anything because all the other drama is gone. Yeah. Well, again, I thank you so much for uh, sharing your story with us and uh, your book, Awakened by Grace. Darlene West has been my guest, and DarleneWest.com is the website. We will be linked to your website, Darlene, so that people can uh, find out more about you and the work you're doing and maybe even get a copy of your book, Awakened by Grace. And again, I thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I really enjoyed it. And I thank you for listening and watching. Tell me your story, New Paradigms for a New World, as we've been giving you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true. And until our next broadcast, podcast, videocast, love to lol.